A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, please remain standing for the singing of our national anthem. That Britain is just a small island that no one pays attention to. A former colony won the right to determine its own destiny. Hello and welcome to Mid-Atlantic, the show where we look at the news and the views from one side of the Atlantic from the perspective of the other. My name is Royfield Brown and I'm ably assisted by my two brothers from another mother. Over in Dublin we have... Mid-Atlantic, political and cultural chit-chat from across the pond. Find it on iTunes, Stitcher and all other good podcatchers today. This episode of Dum Dar is sponsored by Licker You Like on the Felsham Road. The chap's called Hammered and he's so lovely. Doesn't mind if you come in twice a day. Don't tell anyone, thank you very much. Hi, it's Jembe. I'm 11 and I'll be playing this tune on a homemade kazoo. <laughs> This is Dumpty Dum, the show about a reality darky drama that centered on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the red hot chili pepper that is Royfield Brown and this week I don't have the flatulent bean that is Lucy Freeman because of a technical hitch. Simply Lucy and our conversation did not record this week. So the bad news is there's no monologue but I suppose the good news is there's nothing for me to interrupt either. Every week I say that you the listeners are the most important part of the show and this week that is proven to be true because listener Alison Siegenthaler has come to the rescue. She sent through in December an interview that she did with her mother-in-law talking about her 60 odd years of listening to The Archers. It's things like this that make Lucy and I realise that we have a wonderful community of dum-de-dummers that not only listen and download the show, but also want and are willing to contribute and to lay testament to the beautiful world of Borsetshire and how they discovered all things Ambridge. So this is a special episode in which Alison and Isabel talk about 60 years of the Archers, of which I've intercut with your calls. Lucy and I will see you all again next week for a rip-roaring, puntastic edition of Dum Dum. But please enjoy this special one-off. I'm here with Isabel, Isabel Griffiths, who's been listening for a very long time. Isabel, what year did you first start listening to The Archers? Well, probably, nine, is it 1951 when it started? I do have a vague recollection of it being on there at my grandparents' house. How old so, were you, if I can ask? I would be... Seven. So you, you were seven when the program seven, first started to be broadcast? Yeah, yeah, seven or eight. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think so. And I suppose being on a farm then, that really did sort of resonate. Mm-hmm. Although it was a very old fashioned farm, even in those days. You know. <laughs> did it have any impact on the way that your parents and your grandparents farmed? Did it, did it accomplish its, its original uh, I vision? I don't know. I don't <laughs> think it did with them because he was so set in his ways and really it wasn't a big enough farm for him to afford to uh, buy a lot more equipment. He mm-hmm. just kind of went on in the same way, I think, as far as I can remember. Uh, never had a tractor, just had a few cows, a few pigs. Um, they had a 
they mowed their own hay, made their own hay. Um, they had chickens, an orchard. It was just, it was just a bit bigger than a small holding. Mm. And so when it, when the program started, it was Doris and Dan, is yeah, that right? That's right. And yeah. were they the only sort of um, archers family oh, no, at all? No. Were there other no, archers Phil, around? No, Phil was there. Phil was there. Yeah, okay. and Christine mm -hmm. and Jack. Peggy's first husband. Uh, I don't think they were in the pub then because I think they had a small holding themselves or a market garden. I don't really remember that very well. But Phil worked on the farm with his father and he was the one who always wanted them to be doing more innovative stuff. Oh, so he was the, the modernist that's driving right. this yes, change after yes, the war. That's right, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hello, Ambridge3962. Hey, you two. It's um, Goddess Diva, barely live from Bristol Hospital, just waiting for a transfer to Felpersham General. <laughs> I hope to be housed in the same ward as Tony, since his recovery has been nothing short of miraculous. Felpersham, Hogwarts for careless farmers. Okay, I haven't got anything to say about the Omnibus. I've not listened to it yet. But keep on with the good work. God is day for out of breath. And yeah. What do you remember about it from when you were young? Or what did it mean to you when you were younger? It was just something to that was on at just after tea time, I suppose it was for us, or just before bedtime. I suppose the music was very um you know, I mean that that's just part of it, isn't it, really? Just suppose the characters and there was a really old guy in it village local called Walter Gabriel and he had a very distinctive voice. I've heard about Walter. Yes. And yes. Nelson. Yes. <laughs> oh yes, Nelson. I don't think Nelson was in it at the beginning, but Walter was, yeah, male pal, male beauty. <laughs> and there was a local baker called Doey Hood. He was about the same era, I think, as Walter. They, yeah. He'd been a sailor, as far as I recall. I think Walter did have a farm. But I think he'd retired by the time I was listening. Mm -hmm. Seriously. Were there young people in it at the time as um, well? Did they have Well, I think it's Phil age? and Chris. No, I'd know. That's something that's definitely come with more recent um, years. You hear much more of, of the children when they are children. Mm -hmm. I don't remember that. Certainly not in the early days. Because um, they were really just establishing the clan then, I suppose. Mm -hmm. so, and none of them had got married and had children. And I suppose nobody knew it was going to no, last No, I don't long. think anybody ever had a clue that it was going to last this long. I, no, I don't remember. I don't even remember. Well, I suppose um, Jack and Peggy, their children were mentioned and then when when they were a bit older, sort of teenagers, say you did hear them, Jennifer and Lillian and Tony. What was Tony like when he was young? I don't really remember. Because there's such he's such so a dour, isn't he? Mm, really? There's such meat being made now of yeah. how Peggy always was critical of him and overlooked him. Yes. But obviously I don't I don't know if that was true at the time. Well I think when he and Pat decided to farm organically, I think Peggy being she's quite an astute businesswoman, mm. really, um, thinking back. Um, I think she was a bit doubtful as to whether they'd really make a go of it. And I mean obviously it doesn't pay anything like the way that Brian's enterprise has paid. No, of course. Although that looks as if it's coming to a crashing halt. <laughs> well, yes, we'll see, won't we? Those poor people. But, but do. Um, I do. I remember Lillian getting married to her, certainly to her first husband. But I can't honestly remember when that was now. Late sixties, early seventies. Hi there, you two. It's uh, Andrew Horn here. I love the little character shorthands um, between uh, between the couples that have evolved over the years, particularly when they have humour attached to them. And the one that had me chortling away this week um, was Neil. And uh, when Neil was going to get very, very tough, um, supposedly, with Tom and uh, Susan uh, was, ooh, I might buy the ingredients for a chilli. And then uh, that obviously has over overtones for with in their shorthand for uh, chili and then a good helping of afters afterwards so um it had me chortling away particularly when she was so excited to find out how it had got on it's obviously what gets her going anyway um love it and uh, love last week's 
show and if um, if uh, Royfield is getting all the glory with his uh, his pussy posse then and Lucy wants to start one uh, up um, your own little uh, gang then uh, sign me up speak to you soon bye we've talked before about how you remember sort of the big event of the Archers oh, get, oh yes in, that, in the, those days the fire yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. well that was the night that ITV started so it was a com- meant to be a complete spoiler I think, mm-hmm. for that but yeah yeah. What do you remember about it? It seems oh, to be just, sort of a pivotal point in the program. Yeah, I just remember the the, the fire. You could hear the f- sort of crackling effect, you know, of the fire, and the horses uh, sounding very distressed. And I think Christi- Christine must have been there as well because it was Christine and Grace that ran the stables, and they were battling to get the horses out, and they did get most of them out, and then. Grace remembered it was midnight, wasn't it, that was still in there and Phil shouting to her to come back and and then this awful crash and scream and, and you know, and then the music mm. played. Good Lord. Yeah, but it did leave us all feeling a bit stunned. A bit shaken. <laughs> yeah. I was quite a bit shaken by the, um, the ball. Oh yeah. Recently, yes. I think a lot of people thought it was quite funny, but for oh, somebody no. quite quite sort of, um, well, I think bulls are quite very, odd sounding, but I think bulls are really nasty. Mm. Yeah, they're very well, to, very unpredictable. To the people who grew up in the country, I mean, yeah. it's absolutely possible to yeah. think that something like that could happen. Yeah. Isn't it? Oh sure. Yeah. 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 I mean, it was a bit, you know, just it did seem as if it was just one thing after another when we'd had all the other <laughs> thing. But um, no, I, I thought that was really quite well done and mm. very frightening because they are um, they're very unpredictable beasts, even the quietest of them, you know. Hello, it's Dusty Substances here, the wrong sort of listener. It's Thursday and I heard the episode yesterday evening where Nobbers started beating up the Hunt saboteur and Shula witnessed it all and then there was all that lying. And I think we have reached a critical point in this narrative. I don't think we're even remotely in the endgame territory, but I think it's really going to ratchet up a notch or two now. Shula is clearly going to see some major disconnect between what she saw and what she heard Rob telling Helen. I think she's going to have some real thinking to do about this, but don't forget the Simon Pemberton situation where she felt huge guilt that she didn't warn off Debbie uh, and Debbie ended up getting a, a, a complete walloping from the appalling Simon Pemberton. So with that in mind, Shula may well when push comes to shove, actually try to let Helen know that there's more to Rob than meets the eye. And this is going to be the increasingly irascible and erratic Rob's opportunity to start isolating Helen from her family. He's going to realise there is danger now in her having anything to do with Shula and that can only get worse and I think we're going to see a real difference in his approach to the family and other people are going to start worrying but I think we've got a long way to go yet. It's really very good I think. But moving on to more serious matters, I was appalled when Jennifer was interviewed by such a clueless pillock on Radio Borchester, or whatever it's called, um, what's it called? called Radio Borchester. All of a sudden, I've lost confidence in anything I'm saying. Anyway, whatever Radio Borchester is called, they would not have employed even a, you know, a work experienced person who couldn't remember somebody's name when they're just about to go live on air. So I need to know, where is Wayne Foley? He was ubiquitous. We could always rely on Wayne Foley turning up with his radio car, but I really miss him now. Has he been headhunted by Radio 2? Or has he been sacked due to impropriety? I think we should be told. I think we need him back. I feel so strongly about this that it could be a case of me rioting in the streets outside the mailbox with a placard. And I don't think anybody would really want that. So bring back Wayne Foley. So you grew up and you went into the RAF. Mm -hmm. And were you listening then as well? No, I don't think I was listening then. I think there was quite a big gap. Once I left home, um, there was quite a big gap until, as I say, we picked it up again, strangely enough, when we were out in Cyprus. And there, 
we used to get it played over BFBS and it was on um, vinyl. So there was definitely one occasion when the needle got stuck and you just heard Tom <laughs> Forrest repeating something over and over again. And I mean, obviously, whoever was doing the continuity at the radio station wasn't really listening right. because it just went on for, for quite a you know noticeable time. It was, yeah. was it something common to RAF members stationed overseas to listen to the archers? Was it a link back my, my with home? Really. I mean, I think um, certainly in those days, what we could get on the radio was generally BFBS uh, and what does that stand for? British Forces Broadcasting Service. They just put out what they put out and the archers was in the schedule and that was it. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't think there was really much choice at all. And where we were, we were up in the mountains in Cyprus. We couldn't get any TV at all. You know, there was no reception. I think people in, you know, in Limassol, places like that, they had TV, but we were very um, much relying on the radio. So I think, and I think that's probably when I really picked it up again and started listening once we came back home. And um, when was that? What year was that? Uh, we came back to the UK in 1969. Yeah, mm. yeah. So I probably followed it more or less off and on since then. And what was happening in '69 on the program? Or thereabouts? I mean, I don't you don't need to pinpoint it. But I can't honestly can't remember because um, what we used to get out in Cyprus was behind the times anyway. So oh, what right. was being broadcast in the no, UK? Um, I really, you know, my memory is very hazy for all that. Probably that might have been the era when Jennifer had her illegitimate son Adam, which caused a great deal of shock and horror. Did you have people your parents' generation saying, oh, I can't be having this, I can't listen, I'm just going to stop listening to the archers? I don't know, I don't remember that they did, because, I mean, that's the situation that's as old as time anyway, isn't mm. it? I mean, there were a few people that thought it was uh, a bit outrageous, I suppose, but it did seem to reflect fairly um, not unusual happening, shall we say. Times were changing, weren't they? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, and I suppose it was kind of round about then when Lillian got married the first time. She was very much involved in the stables, as I recall. I think she you know, she still rides, you see, doesn't she? Oh, I'm not sure. Yeah, she does. She, yeah. As far as I can tell, Lillian, she just drinks gin and tonics oh, well, and yes. tends to knit things. Oh, yes. <laughs> no, no, she, I'm sure she was... Um, because Christine picked, they picked up with the stables again after this great disaster. Where is Christine now? Well, she she's in it sometimes. I mean, she still lives in the village, and she and Jim got quite friendly. They were mm. doing crosswords together, weren't they? If you remember, someone called in about that yeah. last. And she was week. making scones. You know, he would go around for his morning coffee, and they'd mm. have scones and try and do the crossword. Um, yeah, someone called in about that last week to say that that was how they had learnt to do the cryptic crossword was by listening to the archers. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and that's what that's what drew them in because they had been struggling with that um, on their own and in, in, independently began to listen to the radio program and it, it worked. Wow. <laughs> well. Hello, it's Cosmo here again, and it's only three weeks until my next holiday. Last week's podcast was a surprise, and that we were also agreed over the quality of the content, that is hope the standard is maintained. I realised that new Tom is supposed to have returned as a grown-up. The audience he granted to Neil was no doubt intended to demonstrate this maturity. What a pity that the changes were hidden behind an absence and a very bland voice. Having been rejected by everyone else... I did wonder a little while ago if the parents of Phoebe, who both frankly lack any sign of maturity, might rekindle their childish infatuation by ending up in bed together. Perhaps if Roy cooks her a vegan soup for old time's sake, it might still happen. By now, the child maintenance service should be chasing Rob with an attachment of earnings order through the court, because they have no reason not to consider him the father of Jess's baby. Given Shula has had her own beating in the past from Simon Pemberton, I cannot see why she should, would even consider lying to save Rob from his just desserts. So will Rob be receiving two invitations to attend court at about the same time? Once again, the space-time fabric of the village was bent without reference to a Time Lord. Friday was allegedly Saturday. The most revealing comment was Adam's apparent ability to keep his mouth closed. Unless, of course, Charlie has round his tongue down it. 
In addition, at least three, if not more, of the lost villagers were mentioned in dispatches, Christine, Alastair and Cathy. Amazing that Alastair is around, given that he always seems to be missing at a conference. Finally, did I actually hear Helen lie to Rob about Henry not going to bed? Given she has so much on her mind, as Rob keeps telling her, it is hard to see how she's going to find time to work full time. Surely getting properly cooked meals prepared from scratch on the table in time for Rob's return from work and going out to beat up innocent followers of the hunt is far more important than running a shop, which almost closes this week, except to report I have been visiting that London again and had the opportunity to see Tams and Greg in action in her underwear on Thursday evening. Bonkers play, wonderful acting and entertainment, which reminds me I still managed to arrange that drink with Lucy and Royfield, but he's a bit far away these days. Sorry about that. Time to go. We'll be back soon. So you moved to Birmingham in 69? Oh, no. 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 We were in, uh, first of all, we were in Lincoln, and then we were in Whitney in Oxfordshire. We didn't come here till 72. Right. Yeah. And it's being recorded just down the road at that point, right? Well, that's true. It all, yes, yeah. it always did come from Birmingham, mm-hmm. yeah. Yes, it was always a Midlands-based programme, as I recall. Yeah, it's hard to, you know, to sort of pick out in any sort of chronological order the things we remember. Mm. I can remember Peggy's mum used to be in it, and she was a stalwart for a long time, Mrs Perkins, Mrs P, and she and Walter Gabriel were very pally, and there was always this sort of pre-song, you know, between Mm. them. It never really, you know, got to anything more than that. But uh, And he was very put out when somebody else came to the village. I can't remember who it was. And he used to take Mrs... Oh, no, Mrs Perkins had a pony and trap, that's right. And she used to take... Trap. Yeah, yeah, she used to trot around in a pony and trap. And then there was the Australian connection. Um, Dan's aunt, Laura, came over from Australia and settled back in Ambridge. She was at Nightingale Farm. I'm not sure what's happened to Nightingale Farm now. I've kind I think of lost. I've ever heard of it. Yes, that's where she was for a long time. She'd been married to a farmer, I think a sheep farmer out in uh, Australia. But she was quite an acerbic character. She was almost like Linda, but not quite so... Much. But, I mean, she was very blunt in mm. speaking what was on her mind. Um, so she ruffled quite a few feathers. Um, and, of course, Tom Forrest was Doris's brother. He was a gamekeeper. Oh, yeah. yes, I've heard And of he was in it, you know, he was, I think he was one of the originals and he was in it really right up until the actor died as far as, yeah. And that's happened sure. a few times, hasn't it, that an actor has passed away and as a result yes. the characters had to be written yes. out as well. Yeah, well that happened to Jack Woolley, mm-hmm. Peggy's second husband. Um, it also happened to Nigel's mother, um, I've forgotten the name of the actress. Yes, Mm. she died very suddenly. I think she died when they were, you know, at um, well, at the mailbox as it is now. She was taken and died on more or less on the spot. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I think so. That was quite dramatic. But um, I suppose because they record reasonably far in advance, they've got a way of um, making plans. Yeah. And they do occasionally slot in a very topical reference anyway, if you've noticed. Mm. They, they kind of seem to be able to squeeze, the, you know, just a sentence or two. Something really dramatic's happened in the week, don't they? I don't know. Such as. We were all talking um, at the time of the referendum, everyone was wondering, is Jasper going to have to go oh, back? Is he going to be deported? <laughs> He's great. Everybody he? loves Jasper. Yeah. yeah. Um, He's really grown on me. I wasn't sure I liked him yeah. so much at the beginning. He seemed a little unreconstructed. Yeah, well, I think it probably is, yeah. but there you go. Um, do you uh, remember listening to when uh, Mike Tucker's wife, Betty, was in No, it? I don't. Yeah, she I was a good character. I heard listening only about a, less yeah. than a year oh, ago, yeah, properly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, she was a good character. She ran the village shop, and uh, she was just really nice, but the actress... Um, wanted to retire because she wanted to go and spend more time with her grandchildren. I think they're in Australia or something mm. like that. So, uh, but they they kind of killed off the character, so that was a bit sad. And then Vicky came on the scene, and everybody was horrified when Mike uh, took up with her. But, uh, Why? It, oh, Roy, I think Roy was absolutely shocked. I mean, and um, oh, Brenda, she she didn't really take to her at all to begin with. I don't know. I just think they found her a bit overpowering because she mm. is rather a 
she was so different from their mum, I suppose. Um, but no, they've all warmed her in the end, haven't they? Yeah, no, she's. I think she's a she's a really good character. Mm. She's very much, especially when um, when Haley finally sort yeah. of said to Vicky, yeah. "This is what's been going on. Yeah. This is what the yeah. problem's been." Yeah. yeah, and Vicky just immediately just feet down yeah. on the ground and yeah. you know, here's this is what you need to do. You know, yeah. here's how it's here's how you know, this here's a way to think about it. Mm. You know, no um, no no misgivings about whose side she should be on anything mm. like that. Mm. Just no, nope, here's the business. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's she is very down to earth. But it's a shame that they're all being, you know, moved out. I mean, they really are going to go. Do you think they will? I don't know, because the house sale's just fallen through, hasn't mm-hmm. it? They're, um, we think. Yeah, well, that's what it said. It was on the other night. Mm-hmm. Perhaps, perhaps the fourth, well, one. no, I heard it on the train. The, um, yeah. the four sale signs come. That's the, right. the, the sold sign is off. The four it's sale signs right. yeah. yeah. But we haven't heard it from the, no, the horse's no. mouth, as it were. I'm trying to remember what Mike did before he... Because well, he was Davros. <laughs> well, he, he was, was yeah, he was true. Davros. But I'm, I just, I'm struggling to remember that bit. What he did before. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just sixty bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Before he kind of got more into um, what he got into the milk, Brand business, and also he did various um, training to do with, um, you know, woodsmanship. Mm. So that was one of his strengths. But Neil um, worked for Phil Archer. He 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 looked after the pigs when Phil was in charge at Brookfield. They had this separate sort of unit by a hollow tree farm where the pig unit was based, and that was Neil's thing. He he kind of came. He was quite young when he came onto the scene. He had a bit of a thing for Shula for quite a while. Who did he? Yeah, but she... Uh, it's all very incestuous, isn't well, it? it is. Everybody ends go. up getting off with an archer at some yeah. point. Well, there you wasn't go. Brenda meant to marry Tom at one point. Yes, yeah. And then her brother goes and has an affair with Tom's auntie. <laughs> well, yes. Well, or auntie, yes, sort of an auntie. that's true, yeah. And yeah. Haley, who's married to Roy, was going out with John. Oh, yes, I mean, that... You know, it's I all thought, a bit tangled, oh, Yes, I know. I thought, poor old Haley, that's ridiculous. You know, first of all, John broke her heart. Now Roy's done exactly the same. Uh, yes, she did have rather a raw deal, but never mind. There are a couple of characters who come in from, you know, beating sort of over and over again. Yeah, talking about I suppose, yes, because, I mean, Emma seems to have been bit through the mill. Mind you, a lot of that was of her own making. And Susan went to prison. Did you know that? She spent Christmas in prison one day. Is that because of, was that the thing in the dairy? When all the yogurt Oh, no, 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 it wasn't that. Susan's brother, Susan's brother, Clive Horrigan, who is a real no-good boy, he held up the village post office. Uh, yeah. When was this? Girl. Oh, yeah. Um, gosh, I can't remember now. It probably is about ten years ago, possibly even more. And Susan wasn't there. I'd forgotten. I think Jack Woolley was in the shop at the time. I'd forgotten. Well, I suppose it was Betty Tucker. Um, I don't think anybody was hurt, but of course they were traumatised. And Clive was identified. I think there might have been another person involved. But anyway, whoever it was knew that Clive was involved. And 
Sometime after, he turned up at um, Susan's house, I suppose when they were still living on the green, and didn't exactly blackmail her, but you know, oh, emotional blackmail into taking him in and, and hiding him or something. And, um, or, and or making, I think he asked her for money. Certainly begged her not to inform mm -hmm. the police, which she didn't. But then I think obviously it all came out in the end, and uh, she was put on trial for aiding and abetting. God, and where's Clive now? He's still. Yeah, I think he's still banged up, as far mm -hmm. as I know. Yeah. <coughs> he also um, attacked some of the horses in the stables. Yeah, he's really a nasty piece he of work. Like yeah, he is. So poor old Susan, she's always struggling to escape from her uh, family. Uh, her jailbreak past. <laughs> well, it's just her family's got a terrible. I mean, the Horribins were always like the uh, the real low life of the village. They always, are they? Yeah, they they always did get a very. Uh, you don't hear so much about Horribin. No, you don't. You don't because her she was looking after her dad for a while, wasn't she? And then her sister Tracy turned up. She seems to be there at the moment. Mm. Hello, it's Yoko Bear here. Um, first thing I want to say is a huge get well soon to Goddess Diva, who's proper poorly and in hospital, so proper worried about her. What I want to talk about is um, Kate and Roy. Yay, go Roy, go Jennifer. Uh, you know, really putting Kate in a place and pointing out stuff like this. But it was, what it's made me realise is thinking back over kind of the whole history of Kate and Roy, I've been thinking about kind of some of the complaints about the way the artist is going and actually thinking about it this these kind of plot lines aren't new to the archers i think there's just too many of them um when you look at kind of roy and um and kate you know db being born in the tent in glastonbury kate having an affair with gibson loads and loads of kind of drama but i think the problem is is that the plot lines take so long at the moment and then more and more introduced and then you kind of lose track a little bit um second thing i want to talk about is Tijinob. God, smack him in the face with a shovel. Or, yeah, it's just, I think people begin to suss him out now. The whole Shula thing was interesting. Um, and I think people are going to start realising that there's a real nasty edge to him, which is great. The problem is, are they going to be able to convince Helen? Or has she been kind of, you know, gaslighted so much? that she genuinely, genuinely believes that Rob's right in everything. But it's awful to listen to, um, but kind of, in a horrible way, kind of addictive as well, because, you know, you want to get to the point where she realises and she, she breaks away from him. Um, but in the meantime, uncomfortable listening um, and um, brilliantly acted, but, but uncomfortable. Anyway, that's me. Bye. <laughs> So what do you think about the recent developments oh, in Ambridge? Anything any else to say? I just think it's too much all at once, really. I mean, I can, I could, I could accept the business about the road development because I'm sure that's happening. I could accept the business about this mega dairy that's happening. I could anticipate that uh, a bull would be a dangerous creature to have around, mm. and going back a little bit further. I didn't really anticipate Tom and Kirsty's wedding being quite so typically soap opera, you know. I mean, it, I kept thinking, oh, surely they're not going to do that. It's just such a cliche, isn't it? Soap opera. I mean, on all the soaps, if somebody's getting married, you start thinking, well, what's going to go wrong? Somebody. I mean, really, yeah. it's, it's, it's just a classic. But you said it happened before. Emma didn't... Oh, she, oh, did, she go did through marry, yeah. yeah. She walked round the churchyard a few times. She couldn't quite make up her mind, but in the end, she went ahead with it, yeah. Yeah, but that's why there's such a poisonous relationship between Ed and Will. But Will's got Nick now. He seems to be perfectly happy, so why he can't move on, I don't know. He's just such a misery. Yes, he, and bitter is the word he for is, it. Yeah. yeah, he's really, you know, sour, I think. What do you think about the Rob and Helen storyline yeah. of that sort of, yeah. that creeping yeah. domestic abuse kind yeah. of thing that's going on? Yeah, it's, it's been really well received, actually. Oh, yes. I think mm. as a as a storyline, it's sadly totally believable. And you keep wanting Helen to shake herself up, you know. But I think mm. surely in the end he'll get his come up and so I, I, hope so. I hope so. I just, 
it was just a little background thing. But when um, when they were having the rehearsal of the play the other evening, the play of where Helen plays the second wife, haunted oh, yes. by the ghost of the first, I mean, one, you know, um, Linda and Alice got into some sort of argument about oh, interpretation. But you could just hear Helen in the back going, "I'm really sorry, can I go home?" Yeah. I said I'd be home by nine. I promised oh, I I'd be know, home I by didn't. nine. Yeah. And I could just hear the doors slamming yeah. shut. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like she's yeah. terrified of being yeah. late. Yeah. She's terrified of doing she's anything that doesn't make approve excuses of. Excuses as well. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's. Uh, but she, yeah, she's a character that's certainly had more than a fair share of troubles, one way or another, hasn't she? Mm -hmm. With her eating disorder and her. That might be coming back. People are saying she's not eating. She keeps showing up at places saying she's eaten where she was before. Oh, really? Which is a classic yeah, sort of yeah, yeah. tip off. Yeah. Mm. Well, she needs to get her act together because she's got a little boy to look after now. That's true. And who knows what's going to happen with the um, with, with the grandparent childcare <laughs> daycare that exactly. has been running for a while. Yeah. 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 Well, Tony. I was very moved by Peggy's um, yes, speech at, yes, the, at the bedside. Yes. Given the scenarios that the writers have got, they, certainly some of the um, the exchanges between the characters have been really good. The only ones I really don't buy are David and Ruth because they just seem to be completely out of character from their whole the whole way they've farmed ever since they married and and took over Brookfield. Really, I just you know this business of well. Um, if the road goes through, we won't be able to farm, and, and that's it. You know, we're going to go somewhere else. And I mean, why go all the way up north? Well, ostensibly because of Heather. Well, exactly. But exactly, I, yes. I think a lot of people are thinking Heather's not going to be around. Well, I was going to say, Martin's theory is mm -hmm. why this is move your brother them all the way? Yeah, why move them all the way up north when Heather is a character that is very rarely heard, okay, she's there in the background, they're not going to shut down Brookfield and move all the action up north because they could only, they might only be there for a, I don't know, before she, she pegs out, poor soul. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To begin with, it was Ruth that was really pushing, wasn't it, for them? We've got to think about what, what, we'll, what we'll do if push comes to shove. Yeah. And then David just seemed to jump on board and that was it. It does know? seem so odd when you have... Heather living alone in Prada, um, whereas Ruth has come down, mm -hmm. and Heather's not going to come south, no. but Jill, who's a matriarch yeah, of the yeah, North yeah, Valley, has yeah, said, I'll go yeah, north. I think yeah. Jill's going to say at the last minute, I'm not going. I, I think so. Too. I think Jill's just going to pull out and say, yeah, I think Carol's going to <laughs> have something to do with that. I sincerely hope so, but oh, I think it's just appalling, you know, to imagine that she, although she did say, if Brookfield goes to somebody else, I don't think I'd want to be around, want to, be around to, to see, see it. it. Yeah. So there, that is a believable. Well, your sister has a theory that it's all about the water. Right? Yes, yes. Oh, definitely. I mean, that, that they keep mentioning things like that, don't they? There was a, somebody got flooded that mm -hmm. didn't normally get flooded. There was a problem with the water drops in Ed's mm -hmm. um, cow's pasture. There was somewhere they were driving up, was it driving up Lakey Hill or somewhere? Somewhere and there under was a, a cattle grid, there was a, a spring. Something, a that culvert had, had collapsed ever, and ever that before. had never happened before. Mm -hmm. yeah. Joe Grundy is making ominous pronouncements about oh, the river. Oh, oh yeah, he's oh, a yeah, right. seen it so, so high. Yeah. That's right, and it's very brown as well, mm. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm thinking that they won't be able to build the road because the ground will be so mm. um, marshy. Now, of course, that would ruin a farm as well if it's a cattle farm because it, they just turn the ground up and it, it runs Well true but it may but... be that that's happening because of something that's going on at the mega dairy or the, um, oh, the anaerobic you know something that they've the done. The runoff isn't in, happening properly. Well yeah or, or something that they did when they were building it mm. has um, you know disrupted things. Yeah, my my theory and my hope is that Justin Elliott will go bust. Something's going to happen, and it's just going to go completely pear shaped. Mm. But it'd be very hard now that David and Ruth have gone so far down the line. If the sale and the road and everything falls through, how are they going to re-establish their reputation? Oh, I know. How are they going to face the neighbours? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, Linda's already yeah. just doesn't yeah. and. Jim gave him such a talking he to. He did, yeah, oh, he did. Because Linda will just imply things. Yes. Just look at you sideways yeah, and just yeah. make hints. But yeah. Jim was just bang, yeah. right between the eyes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was, wasn't he? Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. We'll just have to watch this space. Mm -hmm. But, you know, given they do, they've given us endless hours of argument and speculation. That's right, that's right. Which is 
probably what they wanted to do. Hey everybody, Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here. Well, the theme of this week in Ambridge was Where Titchener Treads Trouble Follows, or Liar Liar Pants on Fire. We certainly see now that he has a hair trigger temper, is violent, and can play fast and loose with the truth. Many have raised the question, is Rob consciously aware that he's deceiving others, or is he in some way self-delusional? My experience in the office is that when kids, teenagers, and even adults try to avoid punishment, they'll look you in the eye and lie and lie and lie again. Look at Alex Rodriguez and the steroid scandal in baseball. Oh wait, you may not be aware of what I'm talking about. So yes, I think Rob is fully aware of his untruths, and that, indeed, the kid is his. We'll see. A couple of other notes. Did you see how meek and subservient Helen was sounding at the start of the hunt? Let's see how she's going to tell uh, old Rob that she wants to go back to work and how he's going to react to that. And did Shula appear conflicted about telling the truth to PC Burns because she was overwhelmed by Rob or she wanted to protect the hunt or both? We never got to hear her reply to Burns' question. At any stage, did you see Mr. Titchener strike Mr. Murphy? I hope the usual high and mighty Shula does tell the truth. Maybe she'll seek out her uh, frenemy, Alan Franks, for some guidance. One last item. I love the segment I'll title, How Lillian Got Her Groove Back. A couple of days with Brian and Jenny and the gang, and a couple of bottles of expensive wine split with her niece Kate, and she's ready to rumble again. I was a bit concerned, though, when she laughingly said, Oh, Kate's so much fun, I've forgotten how much we have in common. Tee-hee. And Brian, can you be any less supportive of your wife? Well, I think you may hear old Angus Haggis in the background here. It's time to put on our ten layers of clothing. It's supposed to dip below zero degrees this weekend. That's effing Fahrenheit, my friends. So Angus is saying, our time is up for this week. Till next time, Witherspoon. The la- my last question, actually, oh and this is quite cheeky, but sometimes they have, they, they do ask people, did you ever fancy anybody um, on the archers? I've not yet found anybody because they all seem so stupid <laughs> in ways that I just couldn't put up um, Well, I don't know. I mean, I always had a warm spot for Nigel, I must admit, because he was such a twit, but he was so lovable. <laughs> um, I don't really think so. I mean, when I was listening to it in my early days, I was too young to be to be doing with anything like that mm. and by the time I really picked it up again well you know you, yeah you were married and I was married you know well there's no one like Ray <laughs> well that's the truth <laughs> um, no I honestly can't say that I have I don't think I've ever had that um, sort of relationship with them I've, you know there's been times when I've really been very sad when odd things have happened you know to the characters well of course yeah. yeah it's more like it's more like a family relationship yeah I think so yeah. yes yes. I well think in, in that case what's the storyline you think that stuck with you the most and really sort of mm. affected you most deeply oh gosh I don't know I suppose there was Elizabeth being abandoned at, not exactly at the airport but there was a, a bloke that she had a relationship with when she was pregnant and he just kind of dumped her and went off and yeah so she left her out in the middle of somewhere oh no i don't think i don't know i can't quite remember and he just more or less said well you know it's all over and all the rest of it and he didn't i think he must have known that she was pregnant but what he, happened to the pregnancy she had an abortion right. which was she, she was very put out by that because at the time she and mark were not able to have a child you know right. she really gave elizabeth a hard time but yeah, that was quite, I mean, that was quite a strong story, really. Although it's not, I suppose it's not that long ago. How old are the twins now? They're teenagers, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, it was quite a long time before she really took up with Nigel. But, um, yeah, you know, that was quite shocking, really. Yeah. Sometimes I think there's... We get a whole storyline introduced, like the vicar's daughter a couple of years back. She she had a relationship with somebody who just dumped her. And for a while, that was the really main story. And she she realised she'd been led on and made a fool and all the rest of it. But now, we don't even hear about her. Mm. Well, I suppose it'll resurface eventually. Yeah, I guess. I mean, that's sort of like... um... 
Oh, what's his name? He was sort of homeless and he was living with... Oh, Daryl, yes. Daryl, and he had that lovely little daughter. That's right, um, yes. Rosa. Rosa, yeah. We didn't want him to do with him. And, yeah, yeah. Um, yes, I was thinking about him the other day. I haven't heard him We haven't heard them, no. Because last Christmas that was really coming to a peak. And that's when it? I really started to listen yeah. properly. I remember listening to Tom propose to Kirsty in this kitchen. Yeah, oh really? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And because then the wedding, their wedding that didn't happen obviously, was like three weeks after Matthew and I got married. It was. And I remember sitting on the bed holding his hand going, what's going to happen? I know you sent me a text, do you really think Tom's going to... Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. Yes, I did find that a bit silly, really. I would never be listening to this program if it wasn't for you. And you know, we, you know, we joke in, yeah. the, in, the, in the house that... that that it was me putting on my visa application. Oh, I, I you know, I listen to the archers all the time and they thought, oh God, we can't send her back now. What will she do? <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> Where will she go? <laughs> now, and now my, my new life goal now is to play a Canadian on uh-huh. the archers. Oh, they well, should maybe. probably get a Canadian in, you know, because Rob's oh, they've Canada. Had, have yes, they had um, Debbie's husband. Be a Canadian. Debbie's husband was a Canadian. Oh, right. Um, what's it, what was his name? He was a university lecturer. Uh, in Can- old Canada. Simon Gerard. Hmm. That's him, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. Be, be a guest star Canadian. That sounds like a whole lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. I think they probably had other. They, oh, they did have somebody that came over from Canada, but only came, to, I think, to stay for a while. Whether it was a relative. Well, it probably was a relative, wasn't it? Yeah. And they also had, at one point, an ex American GI who'd known Peggy during the war. And he got really. Oh yes, they re-established their friendship. And Jack Woolley got very concerned because at that point that he hadn't married Peggy, and he he really was convinced that she was going to marry this American, American? who came over and with blandishments and you know whatever. But in the end, no, in the end she went. For Jack. She went for Jack. Yeah. Now that we have distinct segments with Roy Fields' ramblings. Lucy's linguistic lingerings and Witherspoon's wise words. Get ready for Millie's meanderings. The Book of Face has been particularly busy this week and there seems to have been a collective sigh of relief as the episodes return to their character-driven stories. Last week, Lucy told us that Kerry, Sir, Your Majesty, smells nice, which reminded me of the scratch and sniff books you could buy many years ago. We asked you to share with us which Ambridge residents you would like to scratch and sniff. Dennis Garrow says that he likes some young, so he'd scratch and sniff Chris Carter. You might just smell a little bit horsey, Dennis. Nicholas Barnes wrote that he would scratch Rob, and he would not tell us who he would sniff, self-censoring it on the grounds that everybody will take the mick. I am now completely intrigued, Nicholas, and feel you have a duty to tell us all so that we can duly take the Michael. Joe Andrew said, Scratch Ian and he will smell of freshly baked bread, a whiff of coffee and caramel with a back note of Irish whiskey. Yummy and a husband to hang on to if Adam has any sense. Cat Brown wants to sniff Rob because he gets away with so much. His proverbial must smell of roses. And Joe Miller wants to have a good sniff of Adam who she bets smells musky and soily. And finally, Jan A. Mitchell wrote, What fun! I'd like to reach all the way to Costa Rica with long, long branch from a very thorny tree and scratch Matt, heaven forbid that I should touch him, to sniff. That would have to be Carol Toboggan, with hopes that the essence of her medicinal herbs would work their magic on me. We were also intrigued by the sudden disappearance of Matt in the context of the plot lines and Lily saying that they had been growing further apart. We posted, Puscat and Tiger were growing further apart even before he left. Really? What were the signs? Nicholas Barnes said that as a couple they featured so little it's hard to say what the signs were. Terence Skinner posted that Lillian shagging Matt's brother was a sign. D. Leary wrote that he was affectionately hilarious over Knitting Gate, though I can believe he would bide his time for revenge over Paul. Helena Dent said that Matt had gone a bit quiet, with which the wonderful rapier-like Robert Brown responded with, he probably didn't like to interrupt. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. So keep it up. I'll see you over the coming week as we analyse the next shenanigans. The shenanigans of the archers, not the shenanigans of our dumpty-dum hosts. Although either is fair game. <laughs> 
Hello Dumpty Dum, this is Glyn calling in, uh, uh, Glyn12GH on Twitter. Uh, I'm an accountant for a publishing events company. Uh, this is the first time I've called in to, uh, first let me say it's a fabulous podcast guys, um, I really love it, uh, thanks for doing it, please keep it up. My feeling on the Archers at the moment, I feel as if I've been through four ages of uh, new editorship. First there was the excitement uh, and contemplating what the new editor was going to do. Then um, shock when he actually arrived and started changing all the storylines and uh, sending uh, Dave and Ruth up north and so on. Uh, then sort of, uh, sort of anger and outrage, the third age, um, how he could do all of these sorts of things and change all these characters or change all of the actors and so we don't know who they are. But finally, I think I've come to a calm acceptance. What he's done is pretty good, and The Archers is now in uh, in a pretty good state. Prime example of that, of course, is the Robin Helen story. And I think also the gathering uh, opening splits around the Brookfield move. Um, these are stories where they could go in quite a number of directions. Um, and we don't really know which direction they're going to go in, but it's keeping us all intrigued, which I think is the essence of really good drama. Um, so I'm going to call it a day there. Uh, thanks again for all the great work, and bye, and look forward to next week's podcast. Well, thank you, Is that enough? Oh, I think it's probably grand. More than enough. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, I've realised there's an awful lot that I should know that I can't remember. Well, I think probably most people don't remember half of it. I mean, but this is... I mean, there are so many people who I've met who listen to it came in five years ago, ten years ago, whatever. But, yeah, and all of these things that you actually remember are just legendary. (laughs) Well, you'll have the to. The living oracle of the yeah, Archers. Yeah, well, we'll get Alice on it as well. That's right. Yeah, we'll get you both in. Okay. Well, thank you. Mr. Pop. That's the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Four score and seven years ago. When in the course of human events. And so, my fellow Americans. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. There is not a black America and a white America and Latino America and Asian America. There's the United States of America. Listen to the first show exclusively on Mixcloud today and subscribe to us on iTunes beginning January the 18th. From Washington to Obama, 10 American Presidents, the new podcast from Royfield Brown. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.